All right. I think um, Nathan has developed a bit of a reputation in the book of Galatians. Anyone want to suggest what that reputation is? Pete was there first, I think. He was very sharp on this one. Shout it out loud. Taking us backwards. He does, doesn't he? Every time he seems to preach from the book of Galatians, he says, oh, let's just go back a bit. Well, I'm not into one-upmanship or anything, but uh, I want us to go back as well a bit today. (laughs) (laughs) Nearly. Genesis chapter 11. So if you'd like to turn to the book of Galatians and uh, chapter 3, but also put your finger in um, Genesis chapter 11. That would be really, really helpful. Almost two end. Yeah, sorry, Peter's struggling to put his finger in his Kindle for chapter 11. Of, uh, <laughs> if, if you can only find one, be in Galatians. We're mainly going to be in Galatians, but we're uh, going to also have a little look in uh, Genesis. Actually, Genesis chapters 11 to 25. And the reason, <laughs> by the way, there was a typo. I don't know if you heard about this. There was a typo. Every week we produce a running order. It's sort of the order of how the morning's going to run, which, let's face it, most of the time we never ever keep to. But uh, um, this, this week's one uh, says finish time instead of 11.58 is 12.58. So I hope you enjoy this preach. Um, right, Galatians chapter 3. We're g- I'm going to start at verse 1. Just to say, I'm reading from an older version of the New International Version. It was only when I was uh, reading this passage on my phone the other day, I realized that the wording has changed over the years. So you may think, oh, what version is he reading from? Because it may not quite be in accord with yours if you're working from the NIV Bible. It says this, you foolish Galatians. That's a great phrase, isn't it? Verse 1. Great way of winning friends, making friends and influencing people. You foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing if it really was for nothing? Does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law? Or because you believe what you heard. Consider Abraham. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand, understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. And announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. That's a quote from the Old Testament. We'll come to that in a moment. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. That great description of a man, the man of faith, Abraham, the man of faith. And if you know your Bible well, you'll know that in Hebrews 11, which is a great passage where the writer in Hebrews is talking about people of faith, Abraham appears there more than once as a, a great man of faith. So if you're able to flip your Kindle back to Genesis chapter 11, Peter, if you can get that to work, or if you've got your finger in your Bible and you want to turn to Genesis chapter 11, you'll find the story of Abraham. And in fact, if you, uh, in my Bible, uh, verse 10, the beginning of verse 10, it says, from Shem to Abram, rather than Abraham. Because this man, Abram, 
changes his name because of the promises of God to Abraham. So when we want to uh, read of his story, that's where we start. And uh, we have a genealogy here or a story of people being descended. And uh, at the end of uh, Genesis chapter 11, it says, After Terah had lived for 70 years, he became the father of Abraham, uh, Nahor, and Haran. And uh, then it goes on to the story of Terah. And uh, uh, chapter 12, we come to the call of Abram. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham left, as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. And if you read on, you can read the story of Abram and how eventually his name is changed to Abraham. In fact, I'd like to encourage you, why not this afternoon find half an hour and just read Genesis chapter 11 to chapter 25, the story of Abraham. It is a wonderful story. And today what I want to do uh, very briefly is try to draw three lessons uh, from Abram's life. Uh, Three things we can learn about uh, faith, about trusting in God. Because what um, uh, Paul writes into Galatians, the reason he says consider Abraham, is he's trying to help them see that Abraham, who was a hero to the Jewish people, to the Israelites, absolute hero. He was, in one sense, their physical father, because there's a genealogy which stretches all the way from father Abraham to present day uh, Jewish folk. Some can trace their ancestry all the way back. He was uh, effectively the, the great times, however many times, grandfather of Jesus. So there is a phenomenal genealogy which comes down from Abram. And Paul is fully aware of that. And he's saying, look, Israelites, this is a hero. This is a hero to you. Consider this man. He was a man of faith. He was a man who got hold of uh, the, the story of God, the great big story of God. He effectively understood that Jesus was coming one day, and that there was a Savior. He got hold of what it was to have faith in God and to be justified by faith in God. Even though this, you know, Jesus hadn't come, it was thousands of years until Jesus came, yet Abraham got hold of this and understood that he had the promise of God over him. And so it's a great man for us to consider. Somebody who journeys with God. A man who is led by the Spirit of God. And we have to remember that the promise over his life to be a blessing to the ends of the world, that rests on us now as God's people. We are to be a blessing to the ends of the earth. We're not just here to shape our lives. We're not just here for our existence. We're here to bring the love of God to the world around us in whatever part of the world we happen to be in, in whatever way we can. So three things we can learn from Abraham. The first is this. If you look at the story of Abraham, you'll see he gets it wrong. He gets it badly wrong. And what's so exciting is when God calls us, when he gives us promises... Those promises of God don't rest on us fulfilling them. 
God brings them about. And it's important for us to remember because we live in a world which is so driven to success and to achievement that we've got to go and make our own story, got to go make our own history, got to go and uh, be successful. And yet what we need to understand is when God speaks, when he gives the word, when he gives the promise, he will fulfill it. He will bring it about. You see, the story of Abram is um, he has this promise that he's going to be a father of a multitude, and yet he and his wife Sarah, well, Sarah's barren. They, they can't have kids. And yet he's living with this promise, well, I'm going to have kids. I'm going to be a father of a multitude. Can you imagine having the name father of a multitude and not having any kids? Imagine it. You, know, you, you walk up and you meet this guy one day and you say, what's his name? And of course, names have amazing meaning. And he says, well, my name's Abram. Sorry, I didn't quite catch that. What's your name? Abram. No, no, try again. Abraham. Oh, where's your, where, where's your multitude? Well, we don't have any kids. Sorry, your name means father of a multitude. What do you mean you've got no kids? Who on earth gave you that name? Why on earth have you got that name? That's, that's, that's barking mad. You need to change your name. Change it back. And he goes, no, I'm heir of a promise. I've got a promise from God here. I've got a promise from Almighty God. I'm hanging in on this promise. And yet the reality is actually he gets it wrong. At some point, maybe he gets worn down by this not happening. He tries to fix the problem. He says, well, maybe God meant it through my household. That that's how it will be fulfilled. So he takes one of his slaves, a lady called Hagar, and um, uh, has sex with her. And she comes pregnant. And a little child, Ishmael, is born. God says... Because of the blessing which rests on you, I will bless him. But that isn't the way to do it. Abraham really knew that somewhere deep in his heart. He knew that wasn't God's way. He knew that he'd made that up. He knew that he'd tried to engineer God into a place, into a position. Tried to fix God's problem. Maybe because he thought God wasn't big enough. Maybe because he thought, well, God can't fulfill this. He's not doing it. And I'm getting old. And you know, soon I'll be infertile. And then what's going to happen? Friends, it's too easy for us to try and fix things. When God's spoken to us, hang in there. Even when the circumstances look weird, even when they, it looks like it's never going to happen. For Abram, he and Sarah, <laughs> in their dotage, in their 80s, 90s, whatever age it was, somewhere around there. One day she gives birth. She's pregnant, she gives birth. It's like, what? How on earth did that happen? Abraham, you're a bit freaky. First of all, you talk about being father of a multitude and you're not. And then you get to sort of old age and uh, you know, everything that happens with old age. And then suddenly your wife's pregnant. And this child, Isaac, heir to the promise, is born. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that good? See, God fulfills his promises. And he even uses us to fulfill his promises. But sometimes 
He does it in a very unusual way. And it's too easy to think we can, we can manufacture solutions for God. Well, God just needs a helping hand. Now, no, actually, all that God's after is our submission and our obedience. As we submit ourselves to him, as we say, hey, Lord, you have your way. You bring it about. And wherever you lead, I will follow. Whatever you call me to, I will follow. That's what obedience is. It's saying, God, I'm submitted to you such that I'll trust you and I'll take the steps you call me to. And when we do that, God prospers us. He brings things about which perhaps we may think, oh, it's not going to happen. He brings about the fulfillment of words and dreams and visions and pictures where you may think, I never thought that was going to happen. Friends, today, can I ask, are you living with promises from God? Things which having been weighed, which you've weighed before, the Bible, which you know are real, genuine promises from God, not just weird sort of weirdness, but you know, like, well, I'm, I'm going to have 12 Porsche cars or something like that. But things which you know are genuinely of God. Are you waiting on God for them? Are you living with those promises? Are you thinking, God, would you bring them about? Well, the challenge for us is this. Are you in submission to God? Are you letting him have his way? Are you taking steps of obedience? If you are, you can trust the Father to bring these things about. That's the story of Abraham. God fulfills his promises. Sometimes he fulfills them in very unusual ways, using very odd circumstances. Even a barren woman in her 80s or 90s, or whatever age she was. <laughs> Something which is in the world would be impossible. But God brings it about. And so when Paul writes, consider Abraham, he's thinking of this sort of story. His hearers would be thinking of the story. They wouldn't just be thinking, wow, you know, Abraham was this hero of the faith. Yes, he was, but they'd also be thinking he had clay feet. He got it wrong. He messed up big time. And yet within that, they'll also be able to say, but we can see how God brought these things about. We can see how God made him into and his household into a great nation, a nation called Israel. The Israelite people. Wow. Is that good? Can I ask, are you, are you, are you living with promises from God? Properly weighed promises from God. They've been weighed against the scripture. Others have spoken into them. You've, you've checked them out. Are you living with disappointment? Are you living with doubt? Are you grumbling? Are you trying to fix God's problem? These are all things we can so easily get into. Or are we going to be like Abraham when he was on a good day? Are we just going to trust God? Are we going to say, I submit and I'll take steps of obedience? I submit myself, God, I trust you. Maybe you're longing for a day of healing. Maybe you've even got a promise you believe God said he will heal you and you're thinking, yeah, but I've been living with this for years. I'm still waiting for my healing. Keep praying. Keep looking. Don't let disappointment get in the way. There are no promises that God will heal in the sense that the scripture does not guarantee our healing 
But what he does guarantee is he'll give us grace and he'll give us his love and mercy and everything we need for each and every day. And that can be including living with sickness until that day. But one day, whether it's on earth or in heaven, we will be made whole. And that's great. For some of us, we will be waiting until we are made whole when we get to glory. For others of us, we'll be healed. How can you determine? We can't. That's God's role. We can't, we can't boss God around. If we do, then we're God and he's not. Simple as that. But we can submit ourselves to him. We can take steps of obedience. We can keep praying. We can keep looking to him. We can keep asking. We keep stepping forward. We can guard our hearts from disappointment and doubt. Maybe it's not about healing. Maybe it's about something else. The promises of God are there to be fulfilled. Trust him. Abraham <laughs> actually died without seeing the whole thing fulfilled. But he was the heir. Yeah, sorry, he was the father of the promise. He was the one where it all came from. Let's keep ourselves tender before Almighty God. Let's know the peace of God. Powerful sense of that this morning, wasn't that? God wanting to bring his peace. You know, if you enjoy the peace of God, if you know the peace of God, that changes everything. The peace of God comes as we submit ourselves to him and say, Lord, it's your Lord, your boss, you're the one who's in control. I surrender everything to you. I surrender it all to you. I just want to live for you. I just want to be obedient. I'll be obedient to your word. I'll put your word into practice. I'll let it shape my life. I want to be obedient as your spirit prompts and leads me. I surrender myself to you. As we surrender ourselves to him. As we let go of our agenda. And we let go of our hopes and dreams. You know, I think sometimes, a bit like with Abraham, you know, we, we come further on in the story of Abraham and uh, you get to that, that story, Isaac's been born and then Abraham feels God speaks to him and says, oh no, take Abraham up, I want you to sacrifice Abraham to me. Sorry, Isaac, thank you. Abraham, I want you to sacrifice Isaac to me. And there's that powerful account, that powerful story Abraham takes Isaac up the mountain of God <laughs> to make an offering. And Isaac says, Dad, where's the lamb? Where's the lamb that's going to be sacrificed? Can you imagine what's going through Abraham? God's called me to sacrifice my son. And yet within that, he'd know that surely that's abhorrent to God. There's a wonderful reflection on that in Hebrews 11, verse 19, where God figures that, well, if I've got to sacrifice him, God will raise him up because he's the promise. Abraham takes Isaac up and he lays him out, he puts him on the, on the wood, puts him out, yeah, get, gets him all ready for sacrifice. What on earth is going through his mind? What on earth is going through his heart at that point? He's ready. And God says, stop. 
Now I know you trust me. Now I know you're in surrender to me. And there in the thorns, just a little way away, is a lamb. And they sacrifice this lamb to God. God actually isn't after sacrifices. He's after a broken and contrite heart. That's what the scripture tells us. He's after our submission, our obedience. The amazing thing is that even when we get it wrong, even when we try and fix God's issues for him, going back to that story of Ishmael and Hagar, or Hagar and Ishmael, God doesn't abandon. He doesn't forsake. He doesn't leave Abram and go, that's it, you've blown it, mate. That is it. I've had enough with you. End of. God's abounding in grace. God sees our hearts. The story of Isaac would never happen if God hadn't continued to love Abram after what happened with Ishmael and Hagar. We need to see that. Because sometimes I think we can feel that oh, I've blown it. I've got it wrong. And because in the world we live in, when we get something wrong, there tends to be no more chances. It's all too easy to think, oh, well, that's it. I've blown it with God. I've blown it with my, in my marriage. I've blown it in my workplace. I've blown it in my whatever your situation and circumstances are. And the reality is, the grace of God is available to all of us at all times. Even today, there'll be some people in this room who are feeling, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know how I've blown it. You don't know my circumstances, Andrew. If you understood my circumstances, you'd understand that at best God will tolerate me now. But he won't bless me because I've got that wrong. That's not true. It's not true. As we are repentant, as we confess our sin, as we acknowledge we've got it wrong, God restores. Our loving, heavenly Father restores us. In Psalm 103, it says, as far as our sin is... Uh, as far as the east is from the west, so far is our sins from us. In other words, if you think, how far is the east from the west? Well, you can keep on traveling east and you'll never get to the west. It's that far. It's infinity. That's how far God has separated us from our sin. As we confess our sin, God is just. He's faithful. He will forgive. It is a promise of God. You know, I feel today is a day when hope is to be restored. I think we lack hope often. We feel we've got things wrong and therefore we've got to pay the penalty. We've got some sort of weird mindset from based in the world around us which says, oh, you got it wrong, you've blown it, that's it. We don't get hold of the fact, the grace of God, even Abraham can get it wrong and gets restored and look how God uses him. 
father of a multitude, father of a nation. But you got it wrong. Tell you what, I'm so encouraged when I listen to that. I'm so encouraged. There's hope for when I get things wrong. There's hope that God can still use me. There's hope that I can still enjoy the love of God. And of course, most of us in this room have already found that at some point where we've become Christians, where we put our faith in Jesus as our Lord and Saviour and say, God, Father, would you forgive me? Because of what Jesus did on the cross, because we put our faith in him, would you forgive me? And we've known that forgiveness, and yet it seems that even though we've known that forgiveness, then it's very easy to think, oh, well, now if I get anything wrong, there's no hope. And the Father wants to restore hope today where we have allowed ourselves to be in a place where we say there's no hope. I've got it wrong too much. I've done it too often. I believe the Father wants to speak into some marriages here today. As I was preparing, I felt God would say, there are marriages, plural, in this room which have been struggling for years because there has not been genuine forgiveness. And it starts actually with receiving the Father's forgiveness for what's happened, for where things have gone wrong in marriages. I don't want to go into details, but if, you, if you're in that place, you need your marriage restoring. God is in the business of restoring marriages. He loves marriage. It's his ordinance. It's not a man-made thing. It's a God thing. He loves marriage. He wants to restore marriages. There are marriages in this room. Uh, this isn't because I know this. Because <laughs> we're very good at hiding things, aren't we? But I believe there are marriages in this room today which are a sham. And the Father wants to restore them. And it starts with forgiveness. It starts with repentance, actually. Repentance with God and then forgiveness of each other. Hope restored. But also, Abraham's story is a story of journey. I know we've only got a few minutes, but let's just hang in there for a couple minutes, please. It's a story of journey. It's not just wham, bam, and you're done. But there's a journey over years and years and years. And our Father loves to take us on a journey. Journey's all about relationship, and that's how our Father wants life to be with us. A relationship with him, not a contract, not a, not a contractual thing. Not a, well, if I do this, you'll do that type relationship. No, no, he wants a genuine relationship. And relationship is, a, uh, is at the root of, uh, of journey. Yeah, when you've got a relationship, you go on a journey, you value that relationship. And Abraham's story is one of journey. Amazing journey, trusting God. Amazing journey of enjoying the grace and mercy of God. You know, we live in a society which values the instant. Which says, <laughs> you know, if you can't have it now, then it's not worth it. It scorns things which take time, often uh, relationship, things like that. It results in a loss of peace, a loss of contentment, a loss of godliness. 
Journey is a relational language. It's a relational thing. It flows from relationship with God. The journey we go on is about a relationship with God, about living out a relationship with God. And at the heart of that will be our faith, our faith, our trust in God as a good God, as a faithful God, as a loving God, as a just God. And the more we dig into the character and enjoy the character of God, the more we can journey together. The easier, you know, when you know someone, it's easier to trust them, <laughs> isn't it? When you know someone, it's easier to trust them. And so God reveals himself, reveals who he is in order that we can journey with him. And I feel today, for some, there is a sense that my journey has stopped with God. It's not that God and I don't like each other. It's just that I don't want to trust him anymore. I'm just sort of leaving things stable, I suppose. Leaving things level. But I, uh, do I really want to press into the things and purposes of God? Do I really want to trust him in some things? There's that sense of, well, I'll just keep God on. Uh, you know, I, I know I need him, but I don't want too much. And the father's saying, hey, come on, let's go on a real journey together. Let's go on a journey which will be fun. It'll be interesting. It will be a journey of faith, a journey of trust, a journey like Abraham's. What do you mean, like Abraham's? Well, read chapters 11 to 25. You'll soon start to get a feel for that journey, a journey ultimately of obedience and submission of faith. See, we're called to consider Abraham. That's, that's, that, that's, that's what Paul's getting at here. Consider Abraham. When, they, when he uses that phrase, the listeners in Galatia, the people reading this in Galatia, would think, wow, well, big picture view of Abraham. Man who trusted God. A man who got things wrong and yet was restored. A man who went on a journey with God, who lived out a life of submission and obedience, a man of promise. And what Paul's written to the Galatians there applies to us today. It's all there available for us today. Because this is about not just one letter, this is about the nature of relationship with God revealed through the word. And that same relationship we can have with our God today. Let's consider Abraham. Let's let his life be an example to us. Let it be an inspiration to each of us. He was a man who certainly was freed from religion to live out faith, to enjoy faith in God. Perhaps God's been speaking to you today. Perhaps he's trying to get your attention today. He wants to remind us of long-lost promises, things which we've, we've, we've parked and said, well, it's never going to happen. But with promises from God. Perhaps he started the hope where we think we've got things wrong. That we can be restored. That even things at this earthly level, relationships between one another can be restored. Where there's genuine submission and obedience to God, that leads to repentance and forgiveness. That leads to restoration. And maybe also he's imparting faith, faith for a journey, faith for a fresh journey, 
faith continuing on in the journey, for not getting stuck, for not just, oh, I'm not going any further. So I'm going to conclude now, and as I bring us to a conclusion, I'd just like to encourage you, where you are, in just less than a minute, I'm going to give an opportunity to pray. Maybe you need to come to the Father. Say, Lord, remind me of those promises. I want to put my trust back in those promises, those things you've said over me, which I've forgotten. Help me restore those to me. Maybe you need to ask God for his forgiveness where you know something's gone wrong and it's not been addressed. Maybe he needs to come and restore faith to you. You put your faith into him for the journey ahead. Let's pray. Father, when we look at the life of Abraham, we are amazed, really, amazed at your grace, amazed at your love. Lord, we want something like that. We want to go on a journey with you, a journey of faith, a journey of submission and obedience, a journey of repentance and forgiveness. I pray for my friends here. Help each one of us to take those steps we need to take. Give us faith to perhaps start afresh, to resolve things with you or to resolve things with others. Restore us, Lord. Restore us to go on this journey with you together. Give us faith. Lavish us with your grace. Guide us by your spirit, we ask. In Jesus' most precious, holy, and wonderful name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. If you would like prayer, there will be the opportunity for prayer. Just head to the front here and various folk will be available to pray with you. If not, we are going to finish the refreshments to be served out there. Please don't forget to pick up your flyers for delivering to your neighbours and friends. Just to say, we've only got a 1,000 at the moment. Uh, they, we've got some more which we're due for delivery on Tuesday. So if you're going to be here for the hour of prayer Tuesday, you may want to let others take them and then you can collect some on Tuesday because I think that 1,000 will go quite quickly.